This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I want to focus on one of the more troubling trends we've seen in 2022, and it's been building for a while, but it feels like it really spilled over. I I think of, for example, Kanye West. At one point, you could argue, was one of the most famous pop stars, one of the most famous rappers, producers on the planet. Uh, Somebody who's descended into a very ugly anti-Semitism. And I'm not sure what's going on with with Kanye West, but to, to hear the things he's saying or the praise for Adolf Hitler, really troubling, really disturbing. As Kanye West entertains some idea of a presidential campaign, he's reached out to and embraced other very overt, very blatant anti-Semites. So I think that's kind of symbolic of what we've seen over this year, uh, a rise in anti-Semitism, almost to some extent uh, a mainstreaming of anti-Semitism. But it's not just elsewhere. I mean, of course, uh, we had a big controversy here at home this year where the federal government had partnered with an anti-Semite, someone I think the government should have been well aware of, uh, with regard to these views, to, to run a, a, um, an anti-racism training course for, uh, for media outlets. And the government had to uh, apologize and backtrack. So those are two maybe more high-profile examples. But unfortunately, there are, are many. It's an interesting piece this week in the uh, Toronto Star on how it's been a dark year for anti-Semitism, and, and in Canada as well. We are definitely not immune from this. So joining us to talk more about... What's happening and, and why? Uh, very pleased to welcome uh, to the program here this morning the author of uh, that piece that I mentioned, uh, Michael Levitt, is president and CEO of the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal uh, Falls Center. Michael, thanks for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rob. Uh, pleased to be on with you this morning. Wish, wish it wasn't for so uh, quite a, a dire topic, but uh, that's where we are in 2022, as you said. Yeah, as, as you write, 2022 can't end soon enough for Jews, given what an awful year it's been for rising anti-Semitism, both in Canada and globally. Like I say, there's some high-profile examples of this, but I think there, there are other ways of measuring it. But, but things are, I think, objectively getting worse, aren't they? They are. And, you know, certainly when you speak about measuring, we see the empirical data. We see it in Stats Canada numbers. Uh, we see it in the Benebrith annual audit of anti-Semitic incidents, which is rising in particular for violent incidents targeting Jews. Um, we see it in uh, police crime statistics, certainly in Toronto, where I'm speaking to you from this morning. Um, Jews are the most targeted uh, minority group. But beyond that, Rob, we can, we can feel it. Jews in Canada, as I say in the article, including myself, we feel it in the air. We feel this chill of anti-Semitism. It's palpable and it's, it's very real. Right. And like we say, it, it appears to be getting worse. Some of these, these studies you mentioned, and they, they track this, and we've sort of seen increases in recent years. But it feels like this year was kind of different, right? Not just the, the high-profile examples, but and you talk about it in your piece, what almost feels like a, a mainstreaming of anti-Semitism. 
Correct. Mainstreaming, normalizing, um, which is deeply concerning to Jews across Canada, because certainly in my lifetime, I've, I've never felt this. I've, I've never seen it this way, whether it's on, uh, you know, in the school playgrounds where we get almost daily reports of anti-Semitic incidents out of one school board or another across the country, swastikas appearing in bathrooms, um, you know, uh, uh, Nazi salutes uh, being done, uh, you know, in the schoolyard uh, on university campuses. I think we're all familiar with the um, vilification and uh, the ugliness that's reared its uh, head on a number of university campuses across the country. And in workplaces, you certainly used the example of um, Leif Marouf, who, again, the self-described uh, anti-racism consultant, yeah. who was uh, actually hired by um, uh, the, you know, the federal government and, and funded to go in, his organization, to go in and deliver um, a sessions and programming on uh, equity, diversity and inclusion. So very very concerning and um i wish i could tell you that i saw the trajectory going differently the kanye west situation uh, you know stands out to me just given how high profile this individual is the fact that he, he claims that he's he's running for president so somebody who has a platform and i feel like for um you know for many there's there's a, a fascination I, I get the sense that still many media outlets want to talk to him because of his profiles people sort of treat this as though you know, he's he's going crazy or what's going on with Kanye. But it, it's really troubling to see this this descent into this hatred, his embrace of other hateful figures and, and still the platform that he has. I, I don't know how significant that is, giving everything else that, that's going on. But that, that really stands out as as, um, you know, kind of emblematic, I guess, maybe of, of where things are going. Rob, I think you've hit the nail on the head and it's and it's hugely important and you know it does stand out uh certainly in this year it's brought to the 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 front of the conversation the issue of online anti-semitism online hate on social media platforms um the lack of accountability the lack of transparency that exists in organizations like twitter and tiktok and other places where we see individuals that you know in any other era would um, have been, you know, relegated to, you know, the crazy uncle uh, at the dinner table. All of a sudden, in the case of Kanye, close to 50 million um, followers between Insta and and, uh, and Twitter. So, you know, the 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 words, these words, whatever his motivation is, and you know, some people speculate on 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 mental health issues. Other people, you know, want to want to put it down to kind of pure anti-Semitism and hate. It doesn't matter because his words impact millions of other people and online anti-Semitism has real world consequences, real world jeopardy for Jews um, in North America and far beyond. Because, again, we know that where social media is concerned, there is no borders. It transcends borders. So, no, this is this has been an eye opener um, because he's just one of millions of accounts accounts yeah. that um, preaches anti-Semitism and hate. Well, and, and you, I mean, you do wonder about where things are going with social media platforms. Uh, is, is there, I mean, obviously we're seeing more of this on social media platforms, but is there a willingness on the part of these big tech companies to do anything about it? 
No, there's a distinct lack of willingness, actually. And, and uh, um, in my role as a former parliamentarian, I was a member of parliament uh, until 2020. Uh, I'm part of the, um, the interparliamentary task force to combat online anti-Semitism. And there was a group of parliamentarians and former parliamentarians, in my case, from across uh, eight different countries that met in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol um, in September. And we actually had the opportunity to question. There was, we held hearings, and we had an opportunity to question executives from Twitter, TikTok, Meta, YouTube, um, the main platforms. And we absolutely heard a lack of resolve, a lack of meaningful action on their part, A, to take responsibility, and B, to sort of open up um, their books. And, and uh, again, we've got these algorithms on these social uh, media networks and platforms that perpetuate, um, you know, these kind of negative accounts and, uh, and feed and fuel their spreading into other people who, again, you know, soak this up. We did not hear a meaningful desire to want to address it. And I think that's a great concern for, you know, parliamentarians and legislators around the world because this is becoming a real problem. And again, um, we know that hate online spreads into the, quote, real world uh, and can have very, very dire consequences in terms of hate activity, radicalization, um, and even some of the most violent um, incidents that we've seen with people being, you know, killed in mass shootings, we know that there is crossover into, uh, you know, social media and the online world. Right. And what's, uh, you know, when we look back over the last couple of years, I mean, some of this comes from maybe the sources we expect, those on the far right, those on the far left, religious extremists uh, of different kinds. I, I know there's been a real rise in just overall kind of conspiracy mongering over the last couple of years. And of course, uh, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theories end up targeting Jews for whatever reason. Um, so what, what's been unique about the last couple of years in terms of how this is spreading, where this is coming from? Well, as, as you pointed out, and I think it's a, it's a very profound point to make, that where anti-Semitism is concerned, it exists on both the far left and the far right of the spectrum. And we see it coming out of traditional white supremacist, neo-Nazi movements that have you know, for a very long time, uh, been hateful towards Jews with, again, those conspiracy theories you're talking about, you know, the, the Jewish power, the, the anti-Semitic tropes that really we can trace back um, to, you know, ancient times and certainly through, um, you know, modern history, the Holocaust, etc. But we also see an increasingly virulent form of anti-Semitism, often described as the new anti-Semitism, playing out um, on the left. And I think probably the best example that people will be familiar with is the situation with the Labour Party and Jeremy Corbyn in the United Kingdom, where the depths of the rot of anti-Semitism that existed there, again, often manifesting um, in anti-Israel and anti-Zionist narratives, really were fueled and fueled and fueled. And we see that in Canada, too. We see an increasingly virulent um, form of anti-Semitism coming from the left. And, you know, that's the type of thing that we're often seeing on university campuses. I, I, I don't know if you'll have caught the story in Alberta, but... Um, a professor at University of Toronto 
who was a former senior advisor on anti-Semitism to the uh, Temerity Faculty of Medicine, just put out uh, an expose on her experiences with anti-Semitism while on campus. And it was very much rooted in, um, in the left and the vilification and demonization and exclusion of the Jewish experience of racism um, as being considered to be a viable and valid um, source of racism, again, harking back to, you know, the, the, uh, the tropes of Jewish power and, 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 you know, Jewish conspiracy. Well, that, that on the one hand obviously speaks to, you know, the scope of the problem and, and what a daunting challenge it's going to be to, to address this as we head into 2023 and turning a page onto a new year. I mean, I, do, I don't know that there's a, a lot of reason for optimism given some of the, the troubling trends we're seeing here, but, but uh, how are your feelings on that? Well, we, we live in hope, and we certainly um, have to keep pressing forward. So the organization that, that, I, that I run that I'm very lucky to be involved with is called Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center, and we're very active in education, in Holocaust education, in educating on anti-Semitism. We know that the lessons of the Holocaust can have a profound impact on creating understanding of why that historical hate against Jews how that is tied to the contemporary um, manifestations of the hate against Jews. So we spend a lot of time in schools, um, uh, you know, not just in Ontario, but across the country, um, talking about the Holocaust and how many of those things are playing out again. Um, that's something that we're certainly focused on. And I think the other really critical area that I want to raise with you is that the Jewish experience around anti-Semitism has been very much excluded from the equity and diversity and inclusion space, the EDI space, mm-hmm. where um, there is learning that's been going on for a long time to gain an understanding of anti-black racism, anti-Asian hate, homophobia, anti-indigenous hate, and others, all of which is critical work. We need to be understanding those um, manifestations of hate in society, but two, it's time to and the exclusion or the compartmentalizing of anti-Semitism um, away from that space and make sure that we're opening up our workplaces um, and other areas to be able to have that conversation with um, non-Jews and Jews alike who may not understand the intensity of what's happening. They may not understand what anti-Semitism looks like and feels like for their work colleague who's Jewish and who's experiencing this. And, and we find that there's absolutely a willingness once we get in there to have those discussions. And that's why my organization and so many organizations um, in the Jewish community are really focused on having those conversations and doing that very critical learning as a way to counter the anti-Semitism that we're seeing rising. Much more at uh, friendsofsimonwiesenthalcenter.com. Michael Levitt, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.